Good morning, friends. The Lord be with you. It is great to have you join us here this morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. This morning, we're going to invite you to celebrate with us, with your brothers and sisters around the world as the church gathers to recognize and proclaim the victory of Jesus and his being raised from the dead. So join with us as we worship this morning. I'm going to open in prayer. Father, we thank you that you sent the Son. And Jesus, we proclaim this morning your goodness, your victory, your power, and your life. As you've defeated the grave and you rose again, we celebrate you this morning, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would open our hearts to receive from you afresh this morning, that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, especially at this time where we cannot gather together as we typically would, we pray that you would draw us together and you would uh, orient our hearts, Lord, towards you and towards the truth, the good news of the life, the hope, the forgiveness, the love, the salvation that we have in you and the community that we share as brothers and sisters. So Lord, be present here in this service. Would you be honored and glorified this morning? We pray in your name. Amen. Friends, would you join me as we head to our main Bible passage this morning, Matthew 28. We're going to read through the whole chapter. Would you prepare your hearts as we head into God's word? Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He's not here. He is risen. As he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers And said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Let's, uh, folks, let's just pray before we head into the word. I always like to do this just before I preach. Lord, I come to you again this morning and we thank you so much for your salvation. And I just pray that my words, Lord, would be your words to these people this morning. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would be the word preached and the preacher. Um, Lord, this is life-giving news for us. It's so important that we hear and respond, Lord, to the good news of your gospel. And I pray that you would, by your spirit, open our hearts to receive you today. In your name, amen. Uh, the last few days been noticing we've had spring, and then we've had winter, and then we've had spring, and then we've had snow again. And I feel like in the winter, it's hard to imagine that spring will come again. I mean, we know it's coming, but in the, in the dead of winter, it can feel hard. It's hard to imagine that something good, something life-giving, something beautiful, sort of just around the bend, that it'll come out of all this bleak and all this cold and all this grayness. But spring is coming. It is coming. And each year we're reminded again that that which seems dead brings uh, bursts and comes back to life. The trees budding, the grass all modded and, and brown turns back to green. And for some of us who uh, maybe struggle through the winter months, we feel that sense of joy and elation in life as the warm weather comes back. It's like as Andrew Peterson, singer-songwriter, puts it in one of his songs, it's like we're wading in the dusk at the burning edge of dawn. We see it coming, and spring is arriving at long last. And that's the image I invite you to sort of have in your head as we hear the story of the women coming to the tomb. They're still, and I've said this before previous Easter's, they're still in the winter of Good Friday. They're still in the darkness, the bleakness, the lostness. And for many of us at this time in our lives, as this pandemic is sweeping our world and we're reminded of our lack of self-sufficiency, our, our own brokenness, we're reminded that the, the rug can get pulled out from under us and suddenly life as we know it has changed. It can feel like we are in the winter night. We can feel like hope is hard to come by. It can feel lonely. Many of us can feel anxious. And yet this morning is about realizing Life and light has come. The spring has come. Dawn has come. The tomb is empty. And the life-giving presence of God has now, uh, is no longer in the temple building, and nor is it contained in this tomb. But with the resurrection, Jesus' presence and life and goodness has, has broken out across the world in healing grace. And now God's presence is sort of flooding all of creation, just as, uh, in, as Isaiah says, uh, the, the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so this empty tomb that they'll discover, just like the, the torn veil from Good Friday at the crucifixion, are the signs to us that the winter is indeed over. And God invites all of us into new springtime resurrection life. 
In John's gospel, there's this great moment where, where Mary, as she's, as she's weeping, wondering where has the body been taken? Where is Jesus? She sees and hears someone coming. She can't quite tell who it is yet in the, in the, in the morning. Uh, dawn, and you almost imagine the mist or the fog in the garden, and she mistakes Jesus for the gardener. And of course, she's absolutely right, because he's the gardener of this new creation. He's come to make all things new through his death and resurrection. This is the a new dawning of a new creation, a new week, a new day, and this garden has become the new Eden. And from here, God's going to transform his world again and bring us back, redeem us back to himself. That's the, the incredible climax of the Easter morning passage. Now this morning in Matthew 28, there's sort of three big parts. There's really the climax of the story, which is the, the empty grave, verses 1 to 10. And then, then, did you notice there's almost the conspiracy of the leaders to hide the truth, right? This is verses 11 to 15. And then you get the commissioning of the disciples. This is verses 16 to 20. So you've got kind of the climax of the story, a conspiracy, and then the commissioning. The climax or the culmination, the conspiracy, and then the commissioning. So let's dive in first to the climax. In verse 1, as I mentioned, we get, we get this detail. It's, quick to, it's easy to go over quickly, but that this is the new week. This is a new day. This is a new creation. And our attention, of course, is drawn to the angel, verses 2 to 4. It's the angel inviting the women to come and see. Come and see the evidence of the empty tomb. And friends, I want to encourage us this morning. Christianity is founded on the historical eyewitness evidence of the resurrection. If this did not really happen, if this is a legend that Christians came up with later, it's very difficult to explain why Christianity itself exists. Why would it even come about this way if it wasn't real? Why would the disciples be willing to die for Jesus if none of it was real? And we'll come back to that when we get to the conspiracy bit of why people will try to deny the, the power of the resurrection or the reality, the historical reality of the resurrection. Notice, first of all, though, in this part, Jesus meets them, meets the women. It's in the darkness of our lives, folks, that God himself comes to greet us. And he still comes. He still comes to meet us in this way, in our mourning, in our isolation, in our fear, in our anxiety. He meets us in our brokenness, in our sin and our guilt and our shame. And he invites us, all of us, into new life, salvation and forgiveness and grace. Notice they embrace him. Notice his feet. They embrace his feet, it says. Which is important for two reasons. First, that they're worshiping Jesus and Jesus accepts their worship. This is God. He's come. This is Yahweh among us. And the women get it. At long last, this is the Lamb of God, Emmanuel. Not just a good teacher, but divine. He's come to take away the sins of the world. Only God can do this. And so they worship Jesus which is amazing when you think they're Jews, right? And yet they've got it. Suddenly it's starting to shift. He is Yahweh with us. This is remarkable. The second thing to notice is Jesus has a physical body. The resurrection is not spiritual enlightenment. 
It's a historical, tangible, physical reality because Jesus has a historical, tangible, physical body, which means at the resurrection, God is putting his stamp of approval once again upon our physical bodies. Human bodies are not merely disposable prisons for your soul, as though it's just your soul that matters. Isaiah 26, 19 says, But your dead will live. Lord, their bodies will rise. Those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. This sense of a physical resurrection, people being re-bodied again. Daniel 12, 2 and 3 points to this as well. This was part of, of Jewish thought. It says, The multitude who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. And so in, in, in biblical thought, in Hebraic biblical thought, your, your physical body is good. It matters. And God has come to redeem it, setting it free, of course, from sin and corruption and mortality. But the idea of, of the physical um, being good is totally resisted by sort of the classic pagan Greco-Roman thought at the time. This is very different for, for, for the surrounding cultures, but it's so crucial for us as Christians. It's so central to our faith. Our bodies do matter because Jesus himself has a resurrected body. He is, as I've heard it said once, I think it was in a Bible project video, he's a, he's a living, breathing piece of new creation. And so the resurrected Jesus, he doesn't have an immaterial just sort of spiritual pretend body. No, it's a, it's a real corporeal physical body, which is why in the, the resurrection accounts, you get emphasis on Jesus eating food, right? And he says, do go seed fish, right? And he's eating the food. We read this, and yet we still sometimes don't seem to get it. And so resurrection, Jesus' resurrection points to our resurrection, what our resurrection will be like. And the resurrection is not just life after death. It's, it's newly embodied life after life after death, as N.T. Wright likes to put it. Those who are presently dead are, are awaiting. They're not finished yet. They're awaiting new embodiment. This is what the resurrection's about. This is about salvation and rescue from death. Death to the, all the early Christians was the real enemy because it was the ending of God-given bodily life. And so salvation then is, is bound to mean being rescued from death itself. In other words, the resurrection of the body for those who've died and the transformation of the body for those still alive at the Lord's return. And salvation for the apostle Paul extends to the whole of creation, Romans 8. So Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our biblical hope. Jesus brings salvation to the whole person and to the whole of creation. A salvation that will be completed in the future, but that has already begun with the mission and the victory of Jesus at the empty tomb. So folks, this is the assurance and the hope that we have as Christians. It's, it's not just a whimsical flight of fancy. This is grounded in the historical fact of the resurrection, not a legend, but the truth and reality that is backed by our historical evidence. Which leads us to the second point. When faced with the reality of the resurrection, we must respond in some way. Either this is true, which means Jesus is Lord, and all that he said is true, and I, 
I must respond in some way to this, or we must find a way to ignore the evidence or sidestep it and to, to continue to live as though he isn't God. And that's exactly what the religious leaders do here. The tomb is empty, right? And they admit that fact. They're not trying to say, well, no, there is a body and you missed it. They're like, no, no, the tomb really is empty. If they had the body, they would show it, right? They don't have a body, so they have to make up a different story. Something other than resurrection. Because resurrection would vindicate, would say that all that Jesus said is true. He said he would die and rise again. So if he really did, that means he's right, which means we are wrong, Right? So right from the outset, though, and this is what I want us to notice, there's resistance to the good news of salvation. There's resistance to the reality of resurrection. There's resistance to Jesus. Why? Because to face the truth that the evidence points to means we have to admit that we're wrong, that we're sinners, that we're not in control. And that can be a hard thing to do. And some of us will fight tooth and nail not to surrender that. But on the other hand, what you can see here is this is an attempt to hold on to a preconceived idea instead of leading to where the evidence goes. And we talked about it a little bit in uh, the videos that we played just uh, earlier in the service about the proofs of the resurrection. It's not just a matter of saying, well, I don't like what you think about this. It's a matter of saying, here's the evidence. Where does this go? Where does this lead to? And the best answer is, it's all true. So we have early conspiracies and attempts to deny the resurrection of Jesus, but the evidence points to a historical truth that we can rationally trust, not just sort of blindly believe. Yes, we're called as Christians to have faith, but we have faith seeking understanding. And the, the, the founding historical evidence for the resurrection uh, is very, very strong. And so if you're a person that's, that's rather sort of skeptical and questioning or maybe even just a bit cynical, I encourage you to examine the evidence for yourself. As Dr. Theodore Cowell puts it uh, in, in our previous video, he says, it's one thing to just have this evidence. It's something else because it, it actually makes a personal claim on me. Will I accept this? And if I do, it means surrendering my life to Jesus. It means laying down an old way of living and finding new forgiven life in God. And that invitation to life, that invitation to be changed, brings us to our third point, which is the commissioning, verses 16 to 20. Verse 16, the, the disciples are called and gathered. Likely more than the 11 are there, but the 11 for sure are there to meet Jesus. And again, we see sort of two responses, right? Either previously we saw the, the believing women versus the unbelieving religious leaders. And here we're seeing again, some worshiping and some doubting. It's the same response that we have today, right? We either acknowledge who he is, see him for who he is, and worship him, or we doubt, we're unsure, we wait. Maybe we don't want to believe or we don't want to accept. I want to ask, where are you in that decision today? But then the commission goes out. Jesus exercising absolute authority, showing his deity, calls the disciples to do what? To make more disciples, right? To call individuals to commit to Jesus as master and Lord. And part of that disciple-making project includes going, being sent. It includes 
baptizing, um, this, this rite of initiation, of, of recognizing uh, my life has been bound with Jesus in his death and I'm raised to new life with him. Uh, the, the, all of the, the benefits and effects of what Jesus did at the cross now apply personally to me. But also teaching are part of the process. The, there's a desire here to, to learn and to grow and to be transformed because of Jesus. And so the church is sent. We're sent to make disciples, not just converts, but disciples, um, and to be people engaged in the life and love of God who are baptized and learning and then themselves discipling others. Baptism's part of it. Identifying yourself with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Being taught is part of it. This is how Jesus transformed the, uh, the people, the crowds around him all the time by teaching. There's also a matter of obedience, verse 20, living out our faith, living this life. But as much as we have here a, a mission, a calling that has propelled the church and propels us personally as his disciples, we're also left with this final essential promise. The Emmanuel, the God with us who is met in the manger, is still Emmanuel today and forever. Verse 20, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And friends, that means God is with us even now, even still in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. He's here. He loves you. He's with us. Jesus concludes the commission and Matthew concludes his gospel by coming back to this crucial point of discipleship. It's the presence of the resurrected Christ, God with us. To be a disciple is to be in and abide in the presence of Jesus. So what are some implications for us as we reflect on this Easter morning 2020? It's Easter. It's the day we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. And all that that means for us and for God's creation in it, it, it calls us to respond. Faith and belief leading to new life or doubt, even ignorance of the historical evidence, choosing your own way. God will let you do that. He'll let you choose between faith and belief or doubt. He's not going to force you to love him, but he does invite you, arms wide open, to come and receive his grace and his healing and his love today. And I encourage you to do that if you never have. For those of us who our Christians, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, maybe. There's a great reminder here for us to choose to abide in the loving presence of Jesus, to let him speak our identity and purposes over us, to listen to his voice, not the lies we tell ourselves or the lies of the enemy. And that's what we find here in the calling of the disciples, to be a loving, gentle, patient witness of Jesus, called to do that in our homes and, and for some of us who can, in our workplaces who still are going to work right now, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, living out the life of Jesus and inviting people to come to know the one who saved us, to grow ourselves in our discipleship, to be learning and to be transformed by the Spirit of God. That's God's mission for us and it's the mission of his church. And so we're going to close in prayer. And I encourage you, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, uh, there's going to be an opportunity to do so in a few moments. Let me just pray for you. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the promise of Easter and the, the good news. Lord, this culmination of the story that you are re- rose again, you've come back to life. And that is the assurance that you will uh, lead all of us who have uh, repented to come to faith, lead us through death and out the other end again. Lord, that we have hope uh, beyond this life in you. Lord, also that, that uh, the, the world that you've created, our bodies, matter to you. And so, Lord, you call us to live with love and gentleness and uh, peace towards one another, towards your creation. And Lord, this morning, you invite us most of all to accept that you did indeed rise from the dead, that you are indeed our Lord and our Savior. And I pray for each and every one of us that you would help us to live for you and invite us more and more deeply, Jesus, into the life of you and your spirit. Lord, I thank you for your people this morning. I thank you that we can gather even in this way, even though it's not the same, that we can still connect with one another. And Lord, I pray that you would bring us a swift end to this pandemic. You'd be working with those who are working on vaccinations. Lord, you'd help our government and politicians, our prime minister, our premier, our mayor, with all the uh, decisions they're making to try and, and steer our, our country and our province and our community. Lord, we pray for our churches. We pray for our president, Wes Mills, and our regional director, Rod Barks, and uh, our church staff here, and for our church family. Lord, that you would help us as a church to uh, rise up and to live for you during this time. Lord, as the church has... Um, at times been asleep we pray that you would awaken us to the need before us the the longing in people's hearts to know that there's hope and lord would you give us opportunities to extend grace and ignite hope uh, because of you lord give us those opportunities we pray lord we thank you for easter and all that it means and i pray that you would go before us uh, guide our steps lord In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, folks. The Bible tells us something truly amazing, that there is a God and that he is good, he is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Bible tells us that God has shown us his love in this way, That while we were still lost in our sin and lost in our human brokenness and the the evil uh, that we contribute to all the time, that while we were in this place of rebellion against God, Christ came and died for us. And he did that because by his suffering and death, our sins could be put away and remembered no more against us. Because the wages of sin is death. But to come back to God, to receive him afresh, is to experience and to accept the free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Bible tells us that as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that's the invitation for each and every one of us this morning. To recognize that we are guilty There's things in my life I'm not proud of. And yet God still loves me. And Jesus came to bear the price for my sin, to 
to experience the fullness of human evil and violence and to choose to forgive. And so all my brokenness, all my sinfulness was there on the cross as well. And he died to pay the price for it, to end its injustices and to be able to extend to all who will repent and believe and choose to follow him salvation, forgiveness, and new life. And so I invite you in this moment, if you've never come to Christ and you've never experienced his salvation, life, and love today, I'd love to pray with you. And it's as simple as praying something like this. And you're welcome to pray this at home as you're watching, maybe just even in the quietness of your heart. But it's just a matter of saying, Dear Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. I recognize my guiltiness. And today, I choose to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, would you come and wash me clean of all my past? Lord, I look to you for new life. I repent today, and I believe that you died and rose again for me. Lord, help me every day to follow you and to learn to be transformed by you, to be more and more like you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, you are now part of the family of God. It's not the words themselves that are the key thing. It's not a magic formula, but it's a matter of giving our hearts over to Jesus, um, submitting Uh, We might say bending the knee, giving him the control of our lives. Instead of living for ourselves and our own sort of selfish ambitions and our own greeds and lusts and pride, we give it to Jesus and we say, Lord, you take it. And now show me how to live. Make me clean. Wash me by your spirit. And he promises to do just that. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you doing so. A couple quick announcements just before we go. Again, we're trying to do our services every Sunday morning at 10.30, whether it's pre-recorded or live-streamed, whatever works best. We hope you'll join us uh, and experience uh, worship and and one another uh, in that setting. We also have prayer on Sunday nights and discipleship for youth and adults through the week youth group on Friday nights. All that info is on our website, dfgc.ca. It's also on Facebook. Really encourage you to check it out, especially during this time. Our online Bible study, we we follow up on what was preached on Sunday and sort of dive deeply into the passage, and it's really great opportunity to connect. Um, Some people maybe are wondering, how do I do that? If you have a computer, you can join us over uh, Google Hangouts Meet, and all that info, the link and etc., are all on Facebook and on the website. If you're wondering how to do that, how to connect to, uh, just email us or phone us at the church. Um, phoning is a little more difficult because we're not always around. Uh, most of us are working from home now. Um, I get the messages once in a while, but email us or ask someone about it. You can email me, Nicholas, N-I-K-O-L-A-S, at dfgc.ca for info, or the office, office at dfgc.ca for info. Um, But if you don't have a computer and you still want to participate or you don't really want to have video on, um, anyone with a telephone can join in on the prayer services, on uh, the, the online Bible study on Wednesday nights, and all that info is available as well. All you'd have is audio, but you can still join in and participate. So really encourage you to do that. 
Um, other thing to note, really, folks, I so appreciate you continuing to give. I know this is a difficult time where different ones are struggling financially. Um, so thank you for, for giving. And, and if you haven't, I encourage you to check out the online giving. If you're unsure about that, you can always um, mail in uh, a, a tither offering to the church or, or talk to us. We'd be happy to connect with you and, and talk about how to do that. You can, you can send e-transfers now. Uh, you send those to the office uh, email office at dfgc.ca and so you can do e-transfers we're, we're connected on Canada Helps you can give through Canada Helps or, or feel free to, to send in an offering if that's what you'd prefer to do but thank you so much for giving during this time we're not physically gathering together right and that's how most of us are so used to just giving um, so it requires us being more intentional and learning maybe a new process and, and that's difficult um, but I really encourage you to continue to if if this is still your home church where we don't want to have to adjust our budgeting um, we still have all of our our staff on payroll and our missionaries that we support and and whatnot and so all of those expenses haven't really changed and we'd like to be able to continue to move forward with that without any major disruptions um, we'll let you know a financial update in the future of course but just most of all here a big big thank you from us uh, all here at the church for your giving and your engagement during this time um, if you haven't let a friend know that we're doing this we're connected online um, and, and join us for prayer bible site's a great way to connect with others through the week uh, without even having to leave your home which is fantastic so there you go uh, anyway i think that's it for announcements i just wanted to say that and also to send you off with a, an easter benediction so children of god loved and forgiven by our Lord Jesus Christ. May you uh, heed the call to see the empty tomb, to embrace the evidence that he is alive today. May you resist the, the conspiracy and the doubt to ignore him, but instead heed the call of his great commission to know that he abides with you and is with us always. May you go with the hope of Christ and his resurrection, and the grace of our Lord and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Friends, so appreciate you, love you. Uh, love to continue to connect with you as best as we can. Friends, go in peace this week to love and serve the Lord. He is risen. Let's live for him. Bless you. See you next week.